This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hello, my raw beauties. We have another incredible guest joining us today. Shanna Spence is a registered dietitian and nutritionist based out of New York. She has labeled herself as an eat anything dietitian, which I love. (laughs) And I am so excited to dig into today. I found your Instagram page. I'm not exactly sure how I came across your page, but I was Uh like, I am picking up what this woman <laughs> is putting down and the raw community needs to meet with her. You have such a gift of being oh, thank you. like complicated ideas and just distill it down into something bite-sized, mm-hmm. no pun intended, that people can, <laughs> that people can really understand. So you started your career though in fashion and fashion merchandising. Mm -hmm. How on earth did you transition from that space over to the world of dietetics? Yeah, that's a good question. I constantly think about it because I feel like the answer changes so much. Like it's still, my thoughts are the same, but I like to think back to that moment of when I actually decided. I'm just like, when was that spark, you know? Um, But I've always been really into the idea of nutrition and I grew up like very athletic, lots of sports, things like that. But I also started to notice, even when I was in fashion, you know, our society in general, and especially where I grew up, there are a lot of differences, right? So I grew up in like sort of a low income area and Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of chronic diseases and things like that. So my thinking was, how can I help people or how can I give back And also really get something out of it myself because I was very much intrigued by nutrition as well. So that's kind of where I started thinking. And I thought I was going to just stay in public health. And I I do currently work in public health, but I also kind of took on this like anti-diet approach just because of also how I grew up and, you know, being a teenager in my early 20s. And I was just like, you know what? I can't count how many times I downloaded like those calorie counter apps on the phone and like did all those things. And I was just like, oh my God, why did I do that to myself? So, (laughs) so then I just, you know, I kind of dived into this world. So I'm doing both. I always appreciate and love a story where your background and history and the way that you grew up Mm -hmm. was an influence on the work that you're currently doing. And I feel like that is so often such a key piece. When you see somebody or when you see a woman who is really shining in her career, Mm -hmm. there's usually something deep down that was like planted long ago that led her to being in that space. Mm -hmm. When you talk about anti-diet, what does that mean to you? I mean, obviously anti-diet, but I feel like diet culture is so deeply ingrained in our society and in our story of health and wellness, especially as women, Mm -hmm. that I think that there's probably a lot of people who are like, 
if you're not dieting, what are you doing? No, that's exactly what they're thinking. Like I get that question all the time. And even from other dietitians, because, you know, when we like the word diet, right in school and probably everyone, we associate diet as like our food intake, not actually restricting, but I don't think we realize like through society and through culture, like now we call it a diet culture because we associate diets with restricting food. Um, That's what most of us think of now. They don't think like your diet for the day. So it kind of made it very interesting uh, transition there. But for me, just anti-diet means that you can be healthy. You can still have goals. Like I don't want to take away someone's goal of, you know, whatever, like toning their arms or whatever your goal is, that's fine. But how you're going about it is what I want to look at, you know, how are you restricting your food? Are you taking out whole food groups? You know, the low carb thing, I think will always be out there, you know, and other food group restrictions and things like that. So I think of like anti-diet as just, you can still have your goals, you can still be healthy. Even if you want to lose weight for yourself, that's fine. But how are you going about doing it? So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're talking about. Yes, I love it. I love it. (laughs) I mean, when you go back to the root of diet, as you said, it really is that combination of foods that you're eating Mm -hmm. day in and day out, and that's going to shift and change. But we have, as women, really started to identify with our diet, right? Like, even if you think about it, and I talk about this in our group program sometimes, we'll be like, you know, what labels do we put on individuals who are vegan? What labels mm. do we put on individuals who are doing keto? What, what label do we put on people who are doing this with their diet? And as women so often as well, even just labeling foods as good or bad and associating ourselves with being good or bad mm-hmm. based on what it is that we're eating. So I love that you're shattering so many of these norms mm-hmm. and cultural conditionings that we've come to by by this concept of Mm anti-dieting. So then if we're thinking about dieting as restricting, then anti-dieting sounds like there's no restriction. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common questions I come up with in that is like, won't I just lose control? And this also question of, but some foods are bad, aren't they? Like sugar Mm -hmm. is bad. So (laughs) can I not be putting that in my body? Can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on those comments? Oh yeah. I get those all the time. And I mean, those are totally valid. I mean, I appreciate when people do ask those questions because it means they're thinking, you know, because one thing I don't want is people just to, you know, assume that everyone knows everything, you know, all the time. So I appreciate when people like kind of want to dig deeper and those are very valid questions. So the whole thing about binging, right? I think that's what you're referring to, like, or most people when they feel like they're just going to eat everything in sight. And I think that you will feel that way just because when we're used to being restricted, right, we're told we're only allowed to eat like, I don't know, 1600 calories, which I'm saying not to do, by the way, but that's what yeah. most of us would not think. Promoting right? it. Exactly. I'm like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay. Disclaimer. But I was just trying to think of a number, but you know, so we're told to like follow this plan. And that's pretty much restricting ourselves, right? Because what if you're hungry? You know, what if you're exercising a lot and you're starving? So it's really just that feeling of being restricted. And then eventually, you know what? You're probably going to feel like eating everything in sight, the binge. 
Same thing with sugar. A lot of times there's this misconception of sugar being addicting. I've heard it being compared to like drugs like cocaine. Cocaine. Um, yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, and that's not true. Like I get why. I totally get why. But the thing is that we're constantly told not to have something. And then what happens when you're told not to do something, you want to do it. You know, like, you know how you were a teenager and your parents were like, you can't go somewhere. And you're just like, that made you want to go even more. So that's kind of what it's like. It's like actually like a dopamine effect, like when we have sugar and other foods, but it's not addicting. Right. So I just kind of want to break that conception, but that's kind of where that binging mentality comes from. So if you're allowing your body to have those foods, you're not going to feel like having them all the time. And a lot of my clients when they realize that, you know, I say they want to keep the cookies and ice cream out the house. I'm like, actually, I want you to have those in the house Mm. because when you get a craving, they're going to be there. And they're like blown away because they're they're thinking, oh my God, I actually didn't want it as much because it was there. I'm like, I know. (laughs) That's why I told you to do it. So So you find like sometimes when, so when they first start doing it, that Mm -hmm. they will eat all the cookies and like all the things. And then that they might have that moment where they quote unquote, like lose control a bit. Yeah, no, it's definitely a progress. Like we talk about um, this whole intuitive eating movement. It's definitely a progress to learn just because as children, we were born with it, or as babies, I should say, we we're born with it. And just, you know, growing up, we often lose that ability. So mm-hmm. it's hard to regain. It's hard to even trust your body. So that's one of the intuitive eating principles, like honoring your hunger, trusting your body, trusting yourself, your mind. So it takes a while, but eventually you do get there because you realize it's okay to have something. No one's telling you not to have something. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole new thought. Yes. What would you say are some of the most like common disordered eating thought patterns? So not eating disorders, but Mm -hmm. there are so many women, I think, Mm -hmm. who have a disordered relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those common patterns or habits that you see as a registered dietitian? I think the most common is often cutting back the calories it wouldn't necessarily qualify as an eating disorder, but so the number I just threw out there, 1600. So we're all, we are all adults, right? So you really, no one should be eating honestly less than like 2000, Mm -hmm. um, just because that's what our body needs. You know, a lot of times we think of calories as really bad and evil, but we need food. We need to survive. We need to have energy to move around. And a lot of times, most people, they're not eating enough. So they're tired a lot. And it's because your body needs fuel. So I noticed that seems to be most of the time the case with most women, Um, not to generalize, but that's what I notice the most. So a lot of women who are aware of calories, counting calories, tracking them on all the different apps, Mm -hmm. but also just not eating enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which will seem like mind-boggling to people. Mm -hmm. I work with people as well on this. If I eat more, how am I going to lose weight? Or how Mm -hmm. am I going to, you know, whatever, as you said, whatever your goal is, if I'm eating more, can you talk to me a little bit about that process of eating more still working towards your goals? Yeah. 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 And you can still lose weight. It will happen. But the thing is that when we cut back a ton, our metabolism also slows. 
So we definitely still need food to fuel that as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times, most of us get that 4 p.m. or like 3 p.m. slump. And I mean, if you're just having like a salad, you know, all day, like that's your lunch and people are so proud because they ate healthy, but it's just like, okay, you just ate some lettuce. So yes, you're going to be hungry at 3 p.m. So that's, you know, so we're losing energy. So people don't realize they actually need to eat more, you know, and it's like, if you are confused about that, I highly recommend working with a dietitian. You know, a lot of times misinformation does come from the internet. So you know, try to stay away from Dr. Google. But (laughs) but a lot of times, I think that people the energy slump is just from not eating enough. Yeah. And I also find what I see so commonly is that uh, women who are restricting will restrict during the day. And then it's like a pendulum swinging. It goes the opposite direction at night because you're so hungry and deprived. (laughs) So all of a sudden, you're eating so much more. So when you start to balance out you're allowing yourself to eat more during the day to energize mm-hmm. you. Yeah. The pendulum's not having to swing so far back mm-hmm. and forth. Exactly. You mentioned intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. What is intuitive eating in your mind? <laughs> so to sum it up briefly, because it's like a lot of things, but to yeah. just sum it up, it's really just trusting your body. So a lot of times, again, with I'm going to use the term diet culture, you know, we're taught that we should only eat at certain times, you know, a lot of times, we're not listening to our body, right? Before even before this, when I was working in fashion, um, we'd all be sitting at our desks, and it would be like 11am. And I would be starving. But I'm like, wait a second, it's not lunchtime. So I can't eat. And I (laughs) felt like I just had breakfast, right? So I was just like, no, like, this isn't right. But I was starving, you know, and I know I wasn't the only one. So a lot of people talk about that. So it's really about um, listening to your body. Are you hungry? And it can be the other way too. Are you full? Like really being present when you're eating. So it's just thinking. It's more like mindful eating and thinking about your body. Mm, I love that. So when you're intuitive eating, if you feel hungry at 11, even if you've eaten at nine, do you eat? No. Yeah. You eat, right? <laughs> you eat something. Yes. I know. Well, it's, it sounds so easy to say, like, just eat, you know, like people say all the time, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm like, we'll eat something. <laughs> but, but we're so like ingrained, but see, that's what we're taught. We're like, but it's not 12 yet. And yeah. I already ate two hours before, but you're hungry. So you should eat, you know, <laughs> like it yeah. sounds so simple, but yeah. Or I'm intermittent fasting or this person's given me, I'm following this blogger's meal plan. Right. Or, <laughs> I mean, there's a million different reasons why we feel that our body is wrong mm-hmm. and that we need to outsource that information to somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. When really like we're born with this body that is meant to help us survive and thrive and mm-hmm. to give us those messages. So if we can just tune in and listen and trust, which trust, I mean, that's a whole nother. It's hard. It's hard. If somebody was interested in intuitive eating and they're like, okay, this sounds nice, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think I could do it. I've been doing diets for way too long. There's no way I could trust myself. If you told me that I could just eat when I was hungry, I would eat all the time. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Is intuitive eating just for like a specific group of people? It's not, but there are steps to it. So the first step is always being ready to kind of ditch that mentality. And Mm -hmm. for some, they're not there yet. And it's perfectly normal. Like there's nothing wrong with someone who 
is scared to do it. Because I've also had that happen where I explain the process when people ask me for like my services and I explain how it works and they're freaked out. They're just like, no, I don't think I can do it, which is normal. Like I'm not offended because it's something new to think about. But the first step is really just to be ready to ditch that mentality and be ready to quote unquote mess up because we're not used to that. We're not used to trusting our gut basically. Um, We're just being told for a long time how much to eat, when to eat. So when someone tells you that you can actually listen to yourself, it's scary, you know? So I I always encourage people to do a little bit of research first. I always recommend podcasts or books to kind of get people thinking. Yes, yes. Janine Roth's book is amazing. She's Mm -hmm. one of the dietitians who created intuitive eating and I'll also link to some other books. Do you have any suggestions for resources or books that we could link to for the audience that would be helpful? One of the best ones, like the OG is um, Evelyn Triboli. Um, Great intuitive eating. They have so many books. But I always give like, just because this was the book that started my I guess journey is like an anti-diet dietitian. Christy Harrison's, it's called Anti-Diet. Okay, (laughs) amazing. Simple. And it's such a light read. I highly recommend anyone, even if you're already ready to go with the intuitive eating path, I highly recommend everyone to just read that book. It's honestly, she goes through um, the history of diet culture and why we're also wired that way. So highly recommend anyone to really start there. Amazing. And I would also like to suggest that everyone goes over to follow the nutrition tea and uh, (laughs) Shanna, because you do such an amazing job of distilling again, some of these concepts and ideas. And so if, Mm -hmm. even if you're at the point right now where you're like, I just can't break up with diet culture, head over there and start to kind of note some of the ideas and immerse yourself in that and start to listen to some of the words that she's saying because it's really powerful stuff. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Pressing pause to chat with you about something that has been an absolute game changer in my life. You may have missed it, but a couple of months ago, I made a horrifying (laughs) discovery of a tampon that had been long forgotten, you know where. It was awful, but obviously I posted about it because I share everything with you girls. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that so many other women had had the same experience. So I obviously went looking for alternative solutions and I discovered Modi Body, a company that offers reusable period and incontinence proof underwear. At this point, you've probably heard about period proof underwear, but what I love about Modi Body is that they are the only brand with their own patented technology to ensure your safety. So there's no weird chemicals in the liners and they're 100% dependable. No leaks, eco-friendly, and cost-effective starting at only $19 a pair. Modi Body is a no-brainer, ladies. No more missing tampons, okay? With tons of cute designs to choose from and sizes from 4XS to 6XL, it really is for every body. Our friends at Modi Body have kindly offered 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY at www.modibody.com. That's rawbeauty at M-O-D-I-B-O-D-I dot com. All right, let's get back to the show. Obviously, working with a dietitian is so helpful in regards to kind of having that system and structure to move through this and to sort of leave behind old patterns and step into and embrace new ones. You mentioned one of the first steps is ditching diet culture. Mm-hmm. Can you can you walk us through like a couple other key fundamental points in regards to transitioning into intuitive eating? Yeah, definitely. So we have um, uh, ditch the culture, the mentality, that's like the first step because that really gets people is just their thinking. So once you're ready, so once you've decided, you know what, I can give this a try, then we're going to do, and these are all out of order, but another really important principle is honor your hunger. Honor your hunger is kind of what I talked about before, that feeling of, okay, it's 11 a.m. I did eat at nine, but I'm hungry. Yeah. So you know what? I know that it's okay for me to have, even if it's not a meal, like I'm not talking like a full-blown meal, it's okay to have a snack. Like if you have your apple or granola bar, things like that, just to get your mind knowing, you know what? It's okay. It's yeah. okay to honor my hunger. You realize, you know what? I am actually hungry. And you know, there people, um, I've read somewhere that like people should always like drink water to, you know, distract yourself or chew gum and things like that. And it's just like, no, just eat, you know, because like I used to do that too. I would drink my water and then my stomach would be growling even more (laughs) from the water. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) Because I wasn't eating. So listen to your body. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm not making fun of everyone because I've been there. Like I'm laughing at myself. 
Oh but yeah, I know. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But honestly, that's one of the most important ones is just honoring your hunger. So I, I think like ditching that diet culture, diet mentality and honoring your hunger, those are so important. So I, I really encourage people to really like focus on that. <laughs> Aren't there. Okay. I have yeah. an important, I have a question for you about mm-hmm. this. So when I had my eating disorder and was transitioning back into and starting to learn some of the basics around intuitive eating, mm-hmm. I was so out of touch with my hunger and fullness levels mm-hmm. because of the damage I'd done to my body, the amount of time I'd spent not listening to it. I mean, the lack of trust in my ability to trust my body was just so far gone at that point. So mm-hmm. if there's somebody who's listening right now, who's like, I truly don't think I feel hungry or mm-hmm. would know what that even is. Like any tips or advice for those people? Intuitive eating can work with anyone. It's either, even if you want to lose weight or you you had a past eating disorder, but it is hard. Like it's, again, it's just always going to be a hard concept because we lost that inability. So my recommendation is really just to focus on whenever you feel like you're not hungry, right? Most of the time you think about when was the last time I ate? And I always recommend, even sometimes we're not hungry, right? But because we're stressed out, like a lot of times, you know, I notice that too, like even for myself, like with everything that's happening in the world right now, like I'm stressed out and we do, maybe we're not hungry or we forget to eat, but really think, you know what? My body needs energy. I'm starting to feel tired. I'm starting to feel irritable, cranky. And you really have to listen to your body. Like, why do I feel this way? Mm. Probably need some food and some water too, but definitely (laughs) some food, right? (laughs) Um, I really recommend people to think about it like that. Don't think about, okay, I need a meal or it's, it's noon and I'm still not hungry. Think what's happening to my body right now? How can I nourish it? How can I fuel it? Am I tired? Things like that. I think this is so important because the number of women that I hear from who are like, I just don't get hungry until 3 p.m. And I have days where I feel the same way, where things are going so fast. You grab that coffee and then you hit 3 p.m. though and you are like hangry. You are needing a nap. (laughs) You want to eat all the things. Like our bodies aren't meant to function without an energy source. I think it's so important to note that within intuitive eating, it is about honoring hunger and fullness, but we don't only eat when we're hungry and always stop when we're full. There are (laughs) moments when you're just going to have to like, okay, I'm, I'm not hungry yet, but I have a three hour zoom meeting. So I'm going to need to fuel before that meeting, or Mm -hmm. I'm not hungry some days until 1 PM, but I know my body needs energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it some food anyways. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Totally. An important piece of it that can be re- a bit confusing for people in the beginning. And especially when you're starting Ali Eberhardt, who's another fantastic registered dietitian as well, always mm-hmm. says sort of eating within an hour of waking up, even mm-hmm. if you're not starving. And then every, you know, three to four hours at a minimum, fueling your body in some capacity, especially if you're recovering from an eating disorder or, you know, really disordered eating. Is that sort of aligned with what you teach or are you like hardcore only eat when you're hungry? No, no, no. And I love that concept because I always tell my clients, a lot of them will just have coffee in the morning and that's it. And I'm like, no, 
Like coffee is not a meal. <laughs> it's not a meal. It makes us feel full, but it's not a meal. And yes. I tell them, I'm like, I know that you're not hungry. I, I can guarantee um, because before they even tell me, I'm like, I bet you you're going to tell me next that you're not hungry, which is what they do tell me. And I'm like, I want you to not force it. I don't even like using that word because it sounds bad. But I want you to have something. It can be light. It can be a little container of yogurt. It can be a slice of toast with something on it. I don't care what it is, but you need food. Like you need energy. You need fuel. So the coffee, you know, it's a liquid. So that's why it feels full. Because I'm the same. Like, honestly, these are things that I have to tell myself. (laughs) Like, I'm the same way. So I would never recommend something to someone that I haven't done or that I wouldn't do, you know, because I'm, I'm very much that type of, okay, I have my coffee. I'm ready to start my day, you know, and sometimes I'm not hungry, but I, I not force it, but I will make sure to have something with it. Mm-hmm. It can be light. It does not have to be like a huge meal, just something to give your body energy. So yes, to answer your question, yes, I agree with all of that. Yes. yes. No, I love, I love that. And I think that it's always so important. I, I just love hearing when people who are preaching are also practicing yeah. and don't necessarily find it easy. Like I think sometimes we assume that the, the personal trainer just like always feels motivated to work out or that the registered dietitian just has like all their food stuff completely sorted out 100% of the time. When mm-hmm. the reality is, is that most of the people who are teaching at one point really had to practice it themselves and still totally. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Always finding new ways. (laughs) Always, always finding new tricks and tools and all the things. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know when we're on this conversation about breakfast, because intermittent fasting is such a thing right now. (laughs) Everybody is intermittent fasting and there are like... I'm like, does Instagram really know what I do? Why are they showing me these before and after? I'm getting them too. (laughs) I'm not for this Instagram. But so can you explain your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Okay. So I'm, I'm not a fan clearly, but, and I don't want to put anyone down who's doing it because I can't even speak from like a scientific, we're still getting new evidence about it, all of that stuff. But I will speak just because, again, I feel like your body needs something. Whenever, you know, going for that long period of time, you know, when you, what is it, like the 12 to 8 timeline, I just feel like that's too long. You know, most of the time you need something, especially if you're running around, like most of us have meetings, even if you're chasing your kids, like it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're still a human, you're still moving around, like you need food. So I just, I'm not a fan because I just feel like your body needs more than that. I feel like it's very kind of a robotic way of thinking. It's also, I feel like fasting though is okay, you know, for religious reasons. Like I just want to say that yeah, um, because I know different religions do that, but to use it as a lifestyle, I don't think is the best idea. We need fuel. I wish people, again, would just think of food as fuel and not this force-fed concept. (laughs) That's what intermittent fasting feels like to me. So (laughs) It's so challenging when the new diets come out with such compelling before and after photos and such compelling, quote-unquote, research behind them. And Mm -hmm. there are always celebrities and always health and wellness gurus who are endorsing them. And so Mm -hmm. even I am like you know, the reason Instagram's 
sent me it is because at one point I clearly clicked on it to read what the heck was going on. (laughs) So it's set up to really grab our attention and to offer us solutions to our Mm -hmm. problems, our bodies, our stretch marks, our insecurities. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about diet culture as a whole and why it's so pervasive in society today? Well, it just stems from society giving us a visual of what people should look like. And it just stems from this thin ideal that is not achievable. We all are not going to look the same. And just forcing our body to try to look the same is, it's sad, it's just unrealistic, and it's just confusing. Because a lot of times people will look at their friend or a celebrity, which honestly, celebrities are sometimes even like, the worst inspirations because I'm just like, you know, JLo looks great, but she's also very rich. So yes, she looks like that. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) You know, like we, we have these ideals and it's just, it's just not realistic. Mm. And quite frankly, we've kind of lost sight of that. Like something like you uh, brought up like cellulite and stretch marks, those are normal, you know, not even just with age, like a lot of kids sometimes get them, you know, it's just part of, what our bodies should be looking like. And we're shown images that are often Photoshopped and things like that. So it's all wrapped up in this diet culture of us being shown images of what they think we should look like. Mm -hmm. And it's just not realistic. So, and that goes for men too, can go for anyone. And all those images are being shown to us so that we then buy products. Exactly. (laughs) Buy diet pills and protein powders. And I mean, I use protein powders, but like there's yeah. a billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry. It's 72 billion. Yeah. What? 72 billion. 72 billion. Yeah. You can Google it. It's, it's really, it's so sad and it's growing. I think that's actually an outdated number. Cause I, I think that it's growing. And it's not just diet industry. I imagine that 72 billion, it's all of the pieces that surround that. Like there are parts of fashion, there are parts of media. It's all of that included? Or is that like strictly the diet? It's like weight loss pills, books. You know, we, we, there's like a new book coming out all the time. And oftentimes they're not from people that are unfortunately like health professionals. It's just like, I love Bethany Frankel. I do. I loved her on, you know, Real Housewives, but like she's not a health professional. And right. to look at right. look at her book, you know, she has like yeah. all these like books and stuff. So yeah. things like that. It's it's all encompassed. So do you think that there are any benefits to this industry? Because I feel like they sell that there are a lot of benefits that you'll be yeah. healthier, happier, you'll find love. Is that true to some? And I'm just I mean, I'm, this is all conversational, really. I'm not, not yeah, expecting yeah. you to have the perfect answer or anything, but mm-hmm. is there some good that can come from diet? I don't think so. It, because when you think about it, and when I think about how I used to be, so I'm putting, I'm going back, um, when I was doing the calorie counting and I got to my like lowest weight that I've ever, ever had, mm-hmm. and I still wasn't happy. You know, I had this goal weight that I reached it. I actually surpassed it. Um, which was a little scary. I thought I'd be happy, but I wasn't. And, you know, a lot of times we think that this body will, um, or whatever our goal is, we think that's going to make us happy. We think that that will end all of our problems, but it it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Because many times there's something else going on that we're unhappy about. 
And, you know, getting to a goal weight isn't going to cure that, you know, and honestly, you know, we talk about, well, when I lose the weight, I'll, I'll, you know, finally find love or something, but shouldn't you find a partner that accepts you? So um, it's a lot of things. So to answer your question, no, (laughs) I don't. Um. I always say the only good in my mind that can come out of past diets as people decide to move forward Mm -hmm. is that sometimes you can look back and examine like what worked for me in that, what, what made me feel a bit better and what made me feel awful. So for example, of all the kabillion trillion diets and cleanses and things that I did, something like wild rose was the worst version of Aaron you could possibly imagine. I was starving. I was cold. I was grumpy. I couldn't focus where some people are like, I blossomed. I was like loving life with that. Right. It was awful for me, digestive issues. And then like, I would double the weight on the way back after stopping Mm -hmm. for me, carbohydrates. If I cut those out, like it's not a good scene. I need, and this is going to piss people off, but like I need carbs at every meal and for snacks. And that is just Again, I feel cold, hungry, grumpy, tired. It's just something that works with my individual body. Whereas some people might try more of a low carb thing and feel like, oh, actually I do have more energy. So maybe moving forward, I don't need as many carbs as I was having before, Mm -hmm. but I don't have to be so rigid. What are your thoughts on that? So to make everyone happy, I will say that our bodies are different. So people on the low carb train, you know, I just want everyone like not to cut out carbs as a whole. So even if let's say you're like (laughs) doing the low carb thing, okay, like it's working for you. I'm not going to hate on that because our bodies are all different, you know, and I post about that a lot too, just because I, I feel like we're constantly being thrown different things. And now there's like something called a carnivore diet, which I'm so, my mind is like blown away by, but what works for them, <laughs> a little scary, <laughs> but you know, what works for someone, you know, isn't going to work for someone else. And, you know, you need carbs. I'm the same way. Like, I feel like I need carbs too, but yeah. someone who's doing a low carb diet and they find that, you know what, that is working for me and they feel happy. They're not super restrictive. That works for them. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. But just know that just because someone else is doing the low carb thing, it's not going to work for you. Um, Our bodies also digest things differently, process things differently. So it's okay. It's okay. As long as you're not taking out full um, food groups. That's the thing that I like to avoid is taking out. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm absolutely on the same page in that 98% of diets. I think the recent research studies are saying fail Mm -hmm. within two years. Diets don't work as a long-term solution. So all I'm saying is that some, like you could look back and sort of almost imagine it like a science experiment, what worked, what didn't work for your body, but like, it's not a (laughs) long-term sustainable solution. So that's where for me, intuitive eating has been so pivotal in landing in a place where I'm not constantly thinking about food, where my weight has been sustainable. I mean, it's really just given me so much freedom Mm -hmm. from 
the battle with food and my body. It's been an absolutely incredible, incredible journey. So I'm so excited whenever I'm seeing more people who are teaching it, more people who are talking about it and who have, you know, experienced similar changes themselves. Mm -hmm. Same. Can you bust a couple of myths? So you share these bites, you put up your little board on Instagram <laughs> with these quotes and they're always fire. I love them. There were two that I pulled out that I would love it if you could expand on. Yes. Definitely. So the first one is fat burning foods sound too good to be true because they don't exist. Yes. People are like, what? Why have I been eating so much celery? Oh, <laughs> the negative calories. Like that's the term that I always hear. Oh my gosh. It's, they're just not true. Like anything that sounds too good to be true. Yeah. It just isn't like, let's be real. And, and going back to, um, what you were saying before about like diets, not working and, you know, fat burning foods and all that, if diets worked and if all the, if we had magical foods, we would all be like, fine. We would all like, let's face it. Oprah's been on a diet her whole life and have they worked? No, she's doing great though. She looks great. Yeah. But you know, these things don't work. And the thing, and I pulled that fat burning just because I get my thoughts from clients, honestly, who ask me questions. So I remember a client asking me that one day and she's talked about celery. She also talked about green tea and all of these things. So like, I'm not a fan of celery, but is celery, you know, does it have its health benefits? Yes, of course. But is it fat burning? Does green tea burn your fat? No. Green tea can raise your metabolism by a little bit, but it's not fat burning. So there is no food out there to just burn your fat. I don't even know, honestly, where that concept stemmed from, but I I do hear it a lot. I just marketing. I know marketing exactly. Buzzwords, media, Um, media. Yeah, you know, I'm just picturing like a group of people in a room, just being like, okay, what can we say now? (laughs) You know, what can we like say about foods? I like to just say that there are, of course, healthy foods. No food is good or bad, but there are, yes, foods that will do certain things for us, but burning your fat, slimming you down, like having this whole negative calorie, that's not, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Sounds too good to be true because it is. <laughs> so. yeah. 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 Okay. Um, the next one is, this is your reminder that superfoods don't have oh, super powers, just clever marketing. That's another one where I'm just picturing people sitting in a room like yeah. with their notes. Let's call it like quinoa, kale, like chickpeas, beans, salmon. Like yeah. those are all really good, delicious foods. And I highly recommend if you can to add them to your meals. Yes. But those aren't superfoods. So superfood, I feel like just stemmed from, we just have like our food of the moment. You know, yeah. cauliflower is having its moment. Yes. <laughs> it's moment yes. now. Kale had its moment. I'm trying to think of something else, but you know, quinoa, yeah. blueberries, like people think these are just magical foods. They're not, you know, they're healthy. Yes. They give us really great benefits, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, but they're not super, you know, it, it really was just a team of people I don't know which team. I would love to know which team decided that that was a superfood because a lot of times we think of kale as powerful, but spinach is just as healthy. Right. You know, I, I always get that from people. People are like, I hate kale. I'm like, don't yes. eat it. 
I, I mean, kale looks so disruptive to my stomach. And I was like blending it into smoothies. And, yes. and then I had this moment where I was like, my body actually hates kale. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> It's not easy for a lot of stomachs to digest if you have no, a more spinach. but spinach is great. Well, and if you don't like spinach, there's another, there's a whole bunch of other leafy greens that you can try. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you don't like leafy greens, have some broccoli. Like, you know, there's just a lot of different options. I'm trying to think now that we're having this conversation, who decides what the superfood of the year is? It's like the Pantone color. It's like I would they're love a, to know. I, because everyone gets yeah. on board with yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the cookbooks, all the smoothies, all the like media, mm-hmm. is there one media outlet? Is there like a farming association? That's what I, I would honestly love to know. I don't know where it's stemmed from. I'm thinking maybe, you know how like when a celebrity or someone in the limelight does something yeah. that kind of sets off the trend, like either mm-hmm clothes or whatever, you know, and they probably have their personal chefs or whatever is going on. So I don't know if it's like, well, you see, you know, Jennifer Aniston or like Oprah, like eating this. So that has to be like good and super, right? So then like the public wants to do that too. So I don't know if that's where it stems from, but that's kind of my thinking. You know, I'll never forget. I always see this picture of Beyonce with the kale sweatshirt. So I'm just like, okay, it has to be like a dose of like <laughs> something like that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's interesting though, when you start to actually consciously think and consider all the messages that we receive and like, where are they coming from? And what is the driving force behind that? Exactly. And is this a paid advertisement? Is somebody benefiting from me signing up for this? And, you know, the more conscious we can become about these things, the more questions we can ask. And it's an amazing time to be alive with social media because we can actually use our voice to Agreed. Mm-hmm. speak up and create change. As challenging as social media can be, there are some massive benefits as well. A- another common thing I hear from clients is, okay, I want to try intuitive eating and I'm not an intuitive eating dietitian. I like reflect on some of the principles in my own way of teaching as a health Mm -hmm. coach, but by no means am I trained in it or like a registered dietitian in it. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know from your perspective, a lot of people say, okay, that sounds really good. And that sounds like everything that I want to do, but I'm just going to go over here and lose the weight first. And then I'll start doing all this like self-love work. And then I'll start doing the intuitive eating afterwards. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I actually get that a lot where people <laughs> think that they want to lose the weight first. Yeah. So yeah. So what I always say to them, when you're losing the weight, most often, again, it's probably going off of one of these restrictive diets. Yeah. I very much doubt that people are going to say, well, I'm just going to, you know, do this in like a healthy way. You know, most of the time you're like, okay, I'm going to cut my calories. I'm going to cut out carbs, you know, whatever. Once you lose the weight, suppose you do lose the weight and now you're like, okay, I'm ready to do intuitive eating. You've already lost your in-tuneness with your body, right? Because you've already said you've already cut your calories severely. You've already, so that kind of sort of messes up the metabolism. Also your way of thinking you know, cutting out food groups, like you cut out all your carbs. So again, that might've been something your body needs because most of us, you know, again, not knocking the low carb people, but our bodies need carbs. Like our brain uses like 70% of our carbs. So you need it. I don't recommend doing that for people just because I think it's so important to start getting in tune with your body, 
to start learning how to trust your body because again, it's a process. Yes. It's not going to be easy, but you, it's baby steps about learning to trust yourself. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I got this, just got this visual of like a client standing in front of you and you say, we're going to do intuitive eating. They're like, okay, I'm just going to run here to the opposite end of the football field. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to run over there and then I'll make my way back and we'll do all the work to get back to you. And then we'll start going down the other end of the field. It's like, why are you running in the other direction? Exactly. <laughs> where we are. Yes. <laughs> forward from there rather than having to do all this work and then all the work to get you back to like square one. I, I get it. I understand why people do it. And I understand oh, totally. how scary and foreign and like ugh, just challenging intuitive eating seems that it will be, but it is mm-hmm. a game changer. It yeah. is life changing. Agreed. Mm-hmm. If you could pass on one message to women mm-hmm. of the world, say your clients, and they were all going to open an email up tomorrow morning with one message from you, your last message to them. Yeah. What would you tell them? I would say that your body is unique. Your body is special. Again, it's so important to remember that we're all not going to look alike. We all have a certain set weight. We all have, I mean, let's face it, we all have different skin. We all have different hair. We're not going to all look alike. So let's stop trying to look like one another because that's where a lot of the diet culture comes from. It's you have this image in your head and you're like, I want to achieve that. And you're fighting your body essentially. That's a whole nother, you know, haze, the healthy at every size is like a whole nother conversation. But you know, everyone has this set weight that you can be healthy, you can thrive at. And you know what? That might look different. You might look larger or you might look smaller than somebody else. And that's okay. You can still be healthy. You can still thrive and do the things that you need to do, but you should concentrate on your health. So I I just want women to start concentrating on their health. That's the most important thing, not the size, but your health. Beautiful. So I I know one of the principles of intuitive eating is to really make peace with your body and Mm -hmm. to soften your expectations around it. One of which being my body needs to lose weight. My body needs to be a different size. Yeah. But of course, when anyone starts working with a dietitian or a health coach, oftentimes they're driven because they're at an uncomfortable place. They're Mm -hmm. like, I'm not happy in my body right now. I'm not happy with my relationship with food. Do you find with people who are working on intuitive eating, and obviously it's a process and it takes some time, that they tend to land at more of what was called when I was in the hospital for my eating disorder, they've said, you'll land at a happy weight. A happy weight is where your body just sort of stays within five to 10 pounds maybe, and Mm -hmm. feels very easy to maintain that. Do you find that intuitive eating helps move you towards that like quote unquote happy weight eventually? Definitely. And I keep saying this because it's, it's true. Like it's not easy because you do have to start with that mindset, but just knowing that we all have a happy weight, um, that, you know, set point where our bodies just want to be at, you know, and I, anything, you know, trying to constantly fight your body is just not a way to live and not to discourage anyone or not to put anyone down who's still not there yet with, you know, they're still on their Atkins or whatever is out there. Just know that, you shouldn't spend your whole life fighting your body. There are so many things that you could be doing. And we all do have 
as you put it. I like that. I think I'm going to use that now, a happy weight, because that's what your body is thriving at. That's what it's happy at. Um, So you shouldn't fight that. It's hard to accept. And and one of the goals I actually give, I don't, this is a big one. I always tell my clients to diversify their social media Mm -hmm. because we start to realize we're following the same look. And I realized that myself. I was like, why is everyone like thin? Like I'm following, I follow like a bunch of dietitians and, you know, not every dietitian looks the same, but you know, there's that look and you're, and after a while I was like, why am I, why, (laughs) why is this happening? So I, I tell people to diversify their feed, diversify your body, diversify when I say body, like the feed that you're seeing, diversify everything. Doesn't just mean like, you know, the race or skin color. It means like diversify that really does help people. It really does because you see that there are people that are thriving and are happy. That's one of the goals I give people. It's so important. <laughs> love it. I absolutely love it. It has been so fun chatting with you. You are a wealth of knowledge. I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours, <laughs> but we will let you go. Where can people connect with you if they're interested in working with you, following along on social media, um, just reading? You're, you have so many resources available for people. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm most active yeah. on Instagram. So it's the nutrition tea. I also have my website, which is called the nutritiontea.com. So there, there are links for, you know, bookings or sessions. You can also email me. It's the nutritiontea at Gmail. So there's a theme here. Twitter, the same it. thing. I know it's like Friends the nutrition tea. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's the nutrition tea. I'm on pretty much everything except TikTok. I just feel too old for that. So <laughs> oh God, <laughs> on everything except TikTok. Hard. It's hard. That's where you can find me. So amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, for everyone who's tuned in right now, if you enjoyed this episode, if you found that there was any insights or tools that you'll be using, please take a moment to screenshot the episode, share it tagging at the nutrition tea and at raw beauty talks. We would love to hear from you. And you can also always click the link, copy it and send it on over to your friends to spread Shanna's amazing message. (laughs) So much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And don't forget, our friends at Modibody are offering you 15% off for a limited time when you use the code RAWBEAUTY. You can click the link in our show notes and it will take you right to their shop where they offer so many cute styles. Girls, this is the way of the future. Our underwear needs to be working for us and this stuff works. I'm obsessed. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.